because I, I, I put out what I was going to put in already. I'm done. Also, I want to switch up all my picks. Do you, you just want to flip them? Except for the cats. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, we've already left Vegas. Yikes. So, uh, kind of on your own for that. Kind of in set in stone now. Yep, your ticket has been printed and everything. Uh. Oh, boy. Hour two of the game. Going to look more into the Tulane Green Wave at 525. Number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything is all coming up. Let's get to our next special guest, shall we? He is Curry Sexton, former K-State wide receiver, also now with the Wildcats Den NIL Collective. His name is Curry Sexton. He now joins us here on the game. Curry, going to really throw you a fastball with this first question. Uh, today is National Cheeseburger Day. Not asking for your favorite cheeseburger place. I just want to know, like, if you were to make one at home, what toppings is going on it? That's a great question. Um... I mean, we're definitely going. I think I'm going with some Gouda cheese, some smoked Gouda cheese, um, a tomato, some lettuce. Um, I would say some sliced avocado, um, some bacon, and then maybe a fried egg. I mean, that would probably be my perfect burger. And then maybe like a, I don't know, some sort of a, I don't know. I'm trying to think what would be the perfect sauce on that. Um, I mean, you know, probably get some ketchup, honestly, to finish it off. You know, Curry, you're on a roll until you said ketchup, buddy. <laughs> you, uh, you already got the tomato on there. <laughs> it's it, it's just a lubric. It's just for lubrication. Well, you know, I actually I like mayo on my burger. Yeah, I was gonna say mayo. I I usually do a little mix of mayo and ketchup both. You know, just to kind of switch it up. You, you know, I I've turned into like when I go to a restaurant if I'm getting something like that, like a burger, I always ask like, do you have a spicy version? Of a condiment, spicy ketchup maybe. Uh, there used to be a kites thing. I know that you had to ask for it because people would steal the bottles. Uh, mm-hmm. But also like a spicy mayo or a spicy ranch. Like if you yeah. can give me some of that, I'll, I'll put a little something on there. Yeah, when I, when I one of my favorite burgers in the world is it's so long. I go down there and get the uh, the resist temptation, which has bacon and an egg and I believe some mayo on it. But then I just you know dunk it in a ranch. So best of both worlds right there well curry sexton is our guest now i gotta ask you about the uh the the new drip for k-state in this game the the willie the wildcat logo that i think is just as old as the power cat will now go on one side of the helmet and the individual number will be on the other side of the helmet and it's the white helmet what do you think about the look i love it um i, I think it's really clean um, I, I love the, obviously love the new logo, but then I love, you know, mixing in the, the number, um, on one side of the helmet. And then obviously the white helmet and the white pants, I just think it's going to be a super clean look. And, and I just love the, the, the variation as I think most people do. I think it's, you know, great for the players, great for the fans, great for recruiting. It's really, a, it's really a no brainer in a lot of respects. Well, Cats are coming off a 40-12 to win over the Missouri Tigers, a sweet win despite the rain, despite the nearly uh, hour-long delay. But, Curry, tell me what stood out to you. Likes, dislikes about the win. I mean, our defense is just playing incredible right now. That's got to be, you know, something that you really like. Um, I think we have, we have playmakers on so many levels. Um, and you know, one of the biggest concerns or one of my, one of the concerns that I had coming into this season was the safety position. Um, you know, given what we lost and, 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 you know, that's quickly gone away. I mean, the way that Kobe Savage and Drake Cheatham and now Josh Hayes have played, 
um, and sincere Mason. The, the way the four of them have played throughout the first two games has just been remarkable. Um, they all bring something a little different to the table. I love the way Josh Hayes flew downhill and made plays in the run game. It honestly reminded me a little bit of, of what we got from Reggie Stubblefield last year. And then uh, Kobe Savage, you know, he he's somewhat of a – I mean, he seems like he's a ball hawk out there, but also likes to stick, stick his nose into things. Um, so that's something that I that I really really like um, with the defense. I mean, we're you know I think we're we're just we're we're deep at, at all three levels, and I think we have playmakers at all three levels. Um, and so that's that's a huge plus. Um, you know, I think I, I think our offensive line did a great job. Um, you know, which showed in the you know as the game wore on, Deuce start you know at first Deuce was getting bottled up a little bit, but then he. Uh, he started to to make more plays as we wore their defense down. Um, I, I obviously love the punt return, um, and then love what we saw from Adrian on you know up until that that rain delay, um, especially in the in the air. And then things I didn't like as much. I mean, I think our kicking game is going to be a problem. Um, and obviously last year Chris Tennant did some good things, but he also had you know made some made some mistakes. And 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 honestly, that's maybe aside from punt return, kick return, the kickers that we've had at K-State over the last decade plus have been, have just, all of them have been tremendous. And so we've been really fortunate to have really, really strong kickers for a really long time. And now it unfortunately looks like, you know, we're maybe going to go through, you know, we're maybe going to take some lumps um, in the kicking game. And so that's something that concerns me going forward is, you know, hey, it's a tight situation, big 12 game got to put your kicker out there can he make the kick and I, I sure hope I sure hope Chris Tennant can do that um but but right now he looks like he's struggling a bit and then I think the penalties are something that that, that continue to to bug me um you know I think there's that's something that's that's been that's been consistently different you know from the Snyder era to the climate era and I think you know at first it was these guys are playing they're having fun maybe they're getting some more personal fouls but now it seems like maybe there's some some discipline issues, um, and like for instance, the the Cade Warner offensive pass interference. Um, that's a play that everybody in the book runs. It, it's a simple pick route, and it was it was absolutely an offensive pass interference because he just ran right into the defender. All he has to do is turn and 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 show his chest to the quarterback and put his hands up like, "Hey, throw me the ball." And if that guy runs into him, well, that's you know that's that 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 avoids a, an offensive pass interference call, and it just seems like in some instances some of those little things are not being done, and we're getting penalized for it. Um, so I'd like to see the kicking game shored up, and then and then try to get try to get the uh, penalties reduced as we move into Big Twelve play. Curry, we've seen some lulls from the offense in the in the second half. You know, K State coming up with those four straight. INTs and it, it looked like you know the offense was struggling just to move the football even though they did get 13 points but all those interceptions taking place went inside the Mizzou 40 but have you seen anything common even to the first game against South Dakota of why it, it just hasn't been clicking for the offense in the second half to start out at least you know I one one of my thoughts was maybe you know we, we do so well early on and I thought you know maybe it's a, maybe it's a situation where when you know when we have when we're scripting plays, um, so you know you have the first however many plays of the game scripted, or however many series of the game scripted. Maybe when plays are scripted, we're playing a little more loose, and we're we're you know we're we're, we're 
performing better. And then maybe once we get into the flow of the game and the defense makes some of the, some adjustments, um, you know, then then the, then the success maybe isn't there. I I'll chalk up last weekend to just the just the the, the nature of the game. Um, one of the most bizarre, you know, just one of the most bizarre start to finish games that I that I can remember. And you know, the fact that you're delayed before the game um, because of rain and lightning. You get out there and you and you, you know you don't you play a quarter and a half and then you're delayed for more lightning. You come out, you play seven and a half minutes or whatever it was, and then you go back in for a half time, and then come out and, and continue to deal with with some rain, um, and, and some and some lightning and and just I, I'm sure that messed with the flow of the game. Um, and when you're talking about guys staying loose and staying into it, that's just that's just super difficult. Even when you're even when it's a home game. And so, you know, I think obviously, we, you know, it'll, it would be nice to see us come out and play better in the second half. But, but I think Saturday you can chalk it up to just being, you know, unfortunate circumstances. Curry Sexton is our guest. So going back to the defense, Josh Hayes did not play against South Dakota. He's a transfer from Virginia who also played at North Dakota State. And did you notice, like, did it seem like they already played fast against South Dakota, but him – with a couple of tackles for loss, he just added more speed. Like K State looked faster on defense with him. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it, on one of the first few plays of the game, um, he maybe I can't. I think he missed a, he missed a play in the backfield or missed a tackle, and I thought, oh no, that's that, you know not not a great start for for this guy. Um, and then he just then very quickly after that made his presence felt. Um, I mean, you know, the, the the one time when, and I, I can't remember the specific play, but but Mizzou was going toward toward the north end zone, and they they you know they 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 ran the ball out to the left edge toward the K State sideline, and the way he came down from the secondary was was just unbelievable. I mean, he you know he he was like it was like he was shot out of a cannon, um, and so you love to see that, and and I yeah I'm, I'm really with you. I think he's. Uh, I think he's 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 bringing an added element to this defense, and obviously with the three three five, that's vital. And in, and in a collegiate football world where where pat, you know passing attacks are so strong, I think his you know what he brings to the table is so important. Um, you know, I think in, in the, and again, I think one of the one of the thing, one of the great things that our staff did, and whether it was intentional or not, is really piece together a a strong back end. I mean obviously you have Echo and, and, and Julius who are bo- who are both very good cornerbacks, but in the but in the safety in the safety room, I mean you have five five or six guys who can contribute and can and can contribute at a high level. And you know, where where high high pace you know, high paced offense fast paced offenses are such a you know, such a big thing in the Big Twelve, that is going to pay dividends um as the season goes on. Curry Sexton our guest so Tulane here in two days, Saturday, kicking off at two. Next week is Oklahoma, and it's been announced that it's in it's in Norman. That's going to be a seven o'clock kickoff, prime time on Fox. It's going to be a huge game, right? This is probably it depends, you know, player by player, but it doesn't seem like it's ever been an issue for K State for you know to to have a letdown or just look ahead at the next opponent, and maybe not be fully engaged on this week's opponent. But just speaking from yourself. Is it easy to not look ahead to a game like Oklahoma next week? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the staff is is they've won so many games 
they, you know, big and small, um, and have had so much success that, that I don't, I don't have a lot of concern about us overlooking Tulane, especially with, you know, some of the numbers that Tulane's putting up. Um, I think, you know, this is a game where I'm sure coach Kleiman and his staff is, is impressing upon these guys that it needs to be absolutely first and foremost. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that game next week is shaping up to be, you know, a big one, potentially two top 25 teams. Um, but, but I think, I, I think this staff is going to have these guys fully locked in on this game. So what do you got as a prediction? You think this is one K-State will, they should be able to take care of Tulane, win by three or four scores or like Vegas, they have it as a, as a two score game for K-State closer or more like a Mizzou win. I think it's more like a Mizzou win and, and they may put up some more points than Mizzou because it does seem like they, they have a little bit of a more high powered offense, but, but granted they haven't really played anybody. Um, I think our defense is, I think our defense is going to overwhelm them. I mean, they've played, they've played Alcorn state and who is the other, who is their other opponent? UMass. UMass and UMass is historically one of the worst FBS programs or over the last decade, one of the worst FBS programs out there. So, um, I think our, our, I mean, our speed and our, our, our size and physicality is just going to be something that they quite clearly haven't seen yet. Um, I actually had the opportunity to watch, to watch, to watch Tulane. I mean, not, not this exact team, but watch them last. Um, I think it was their last regular season game last November down in Memphis. Um, and, you know, lost to a struggling Memphis team and, and weren't very impressive. Um, and obviously, you know, things change from year to year, but, I just think the Cats are a much better team. We're, we're much deeper, much more talented, and I think that'll show on Saturday. Well, Curry, I appreciate it. I, well, I guess one more thing. Are you uh, keeping up with Abilene football? I am, yeah. They're finally winning some football games. Well, I, I just wanted to know if you uh, realize that they're going to be playing in Clay Center on, on Friday night. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know that. I don't know if this uh, this Brad Nix guy knows what he's doing, but Mark Henry, the head coach of the Tigers, I mean, he's he's my one of my former coaches, so uh, I think we got a good one at the Tigers' den at Otto Dionru Stadium Friday night. Yeah, that should be a good one. I, uh, I, 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 hope they, I hope Abilene pulls it out. I hear Clay Center might be getting a new stadium, which is much yeah. needed. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's always a fun one. Clay Center Abilene is always a fun one. You remember that Clay Center visiting locker room? Like, would you guys actually dress there? I don't. I don't think so because I do not remember it. Where was it? Uh, it was on the north end of the, like the actual stands. Like even like Ooh. the Clay Center locker room. We did not dress there. We would ride from the high school over dressed and just show up and ready for warmups when we got off the bus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we. I'm pretty sure we put on everything except obviously our shoulder pads and helmets before we left Abilene. Um, and, and just rode up to Abilene with our stuff on. Yeah, that that does sound about right. You're, yes, the, Clay Center should be getting a new stadium. Uh, they're raising money for it right now. The the plans look awesome. It's it's much needed. Even though uh, a lot of the uh, population in Clay Center would like to use the money for other things, but uh, it, it's definitely yeah. an upgrade that is needed. Yep, I would agree. You got to have a good football program to keep people interested and to keep you know excite. It excites the community. It's good for a lot of things. So, well, that'll be fun. You'll have to if I if I don't. You'll have to remind me of it next week, um, especially if Abilene wins. All right. Well, Corey, I appreciate your time, and uh, yeah, absolutely, I will do that, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Mitch. That's Corey Sexton, former K State wide receiver, and with of course 
the Wildcats Den, the NIL Collective. Well, when we come back, I want to look a little bit deeper into Tulane and see what they really got to offer in this game against K-State on Saturday. It's the game on K-Man. Oh, baby, baby. Cats play Saturday against Tulane. They, oh, yeah. We haven't been, we haven't discussed that once. Uh, I mean, yeah, we, we have a little. Well, I, with my, our guests, I yeah. have. Between us, though, however. We haven't really. All we've really talked about is just our pick for the right, game. Right, Um. So, again, 2 o'clock. The, actually, the official kickoff time is 2.02. And uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, Tulane is 2-0. The Cats are 2-0. 202 kickoff. Powercat game day will start at 10 in the morning with myself, of course, along with uh, Derek Young and Cole Manbeck. This will be the second meeting all time between these two teams. The only other meeting, Troy might remember this, was in 1988, and Tulane won that game 20 to 16 in the Superdome. I happen to enjoy Tim Fitzgerald's run through the memory banks this week on that game at the Superdome. The video of that game is incredible. It really is amazing. I, I couldn't believe the uniforms, man. <laughs> Gee, when Christmas. Well, perfect. that was the infamous game where the, the, the coaches up in the box yep. left early so they could be a part of the celebration, and then Tulane, with 14 seconds left, wins the game uh, with a you, touchdown. You had no defensive coaches in the booth. Oh, my God. Yeah, I have seen some weird things from coaching staffs. Yeah, that one ranks there. Yeah. According to K-State's media notes, that was the first ever game K-State played indoors. Really? Whoa. 1988 against Tulane. Well, it would make sense. Um, You know, the the Superdome, Astrodome, at that point, really, you did not have domes at this level uh, that were being utilized for fields. You had a few at the FCS level, but but definitely at the time, one double A level, but you didn't have them uh, that were prominently used on a game by game or a game to game basis, I should say. Well, Tulane so far, like I mentioned, is two and zero. The Green Wave have beat up a couple of weak teams. UMass uh, was the final score, forty two to ten, and Alcorn State is fifty two nothing. Honestly, the, the biggest concern I do have is uh, is Tulane's quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Michael Pratt, he is 29-41 this year with 482 yards passing, five touchdowns and no interceptions, and he has just about 4,700 yards and 45 touchdowns, 16 interceptions in his career, and he's played 23 games. He has a lot of experience. He had to deal with a very rough season last year, had to deal with Hurricane Ida, them living in basically a hotel for months, and they'd even go to classes. They spent so much time in those hotels. It was rough on Tulane mm-hmm. last year. And, and I think we talked about it with Gary Smith yesterday, who's a beat writer for Tulane, and it, that, that's something we forget about last season, about how Tulane – yes, remember the Oklahoma game, where the game got moved to Norman. You saw the logos for Tulane on the field. They got to bring their full roster. But that Hurricane Ida, I mean, it completely derailed their season. But personnel-wise, they still what probably maybe – probably not even a 500 team last year. I mean, they, they did really struggle, you know, even though the circumstances for the season were not great to begin with. But 
he's he's a good quarterback. He really is. And he's tough. I, I believe Joe Klanderman brought this up during his press conference today at 2 o'clock at Veneer, and that is, so far in these two games, he has taken some shots. He has taken some hits, and he gets right back up. Mm. He is tough. He, you, If Felix lays one in, I mean, he's probably getting back up. Like, even a guy like Felix, who is just incredibly strong, a lot of defensive linemen on that K-State team, really strong, but he has taken some hits. He is not weak. He will get up and continue to fight. He has missed some deep balls this year, uh, but his accuracy, and I mentioned this with D.Y., short to medium range, is solid. He has a good arm. He'll get the ball there. Um, I, mean, it was, I was watching early on in that Alcorn State game. There was a blitz coming right in his face. And he, he, he tosses the ball while he's basically being sacked, mm-hmm. and he just delivers a strike to the sideline for a five- or six-yard gain. He really has the cut of a Ben Roethlisberger at the college level, a guy who does take those hits and, and bounces right back up. he got a lot of heart, but he's got too much. That's going to take him down. I'm sorry, pal. He, he, he will spread it out. He's got multiple targets he'll throw it to. Um and that's where I think that K-State defensively uh, may have some challenges there. Yeah, step, Be- up, step up in the secondary. Because sure. there hasn't been a lot, of, uh, a lot of coverage needed against multiple wideouts that are threats. Yeah, and if Tulane wants to hang in this game, I mean, they're going to have to efficiently throw the football. Sure. That, that's true. But the thing is, like, they still run the ball two-thirds of the time. They're still at two-thirds of the time running the football team, but they're averaging 15 yards a catch right now, wow. which is a very good number. Mm-hmm. But they're, the running game, i got to say, even though they've been just killing teams so far, these you know UMass and Alcorn State who are nothing close to impressive, they're running the ball 4.3 yards per carry, 83 times for 355 and eight touchdowns. Against that, I'm not impressed. I mean, K-State has been able to run the ball at six yards a carry against Mizzou, who I think did a pretty good job with that front, that defensive front of not allowing K-State to get big plays off with the running game. It took a while to get there with Deuce and DJ Giddens. Um, And then we saw South Dakota tackle really well. And so it took K-State a little while as well. Like here and there, they'd have some big plays. But to get the running game really going, it it took a little bit of time for K-State to get that going. (laughs) One thing I do want to see that's just a little twist I want to see some sincere-on-sincere action. (laughs) Offensive lineman Sincere Hainsworth for Tulane and Sincere Mason for K-State. Okay. Well, defensively, so defensively last year for Tulane, it was a bit of a disaster. Like, anybody with a name that's halfway decent, they they sucked. They really did. I mean, they... About six yards of play is what they are allowing, which isn't the worst in the world, but it's not... The greatest, no. But they are were 102, 102nd last year, giving up 430 yards a game. They were giving up a lot of yards, and from that defense last year, they return seven of their starters. Yes, they are older, but I don't think they're the most talented people in the world. They do have a, an edge rusher who's pretty good, Darius Hodges, who led the team last year with 16 and a half tackles for loss, and he also had five sacks on the year. And he was about he was going to transfer. He decided not to. He sticks with them. And also, they're pretty solid at the linebacker position. They kind of remind me of South Dakota, where they're very solid tacklers. They really are. They're hard to break tackles against the linebackers of Tulane. Uh, let's see what we what else we got here. Um, against the run last year, Tulane was 78th in the country, allowing 158 yards per game, and they allowed 2.9 yards a carry. And really. 
that's not too shabby. It's not the worst in the world. But I don't think, see, offensively, Tulane is going to have a tough time running the football. They really are. That That is totally my feeling, that K-State speed. If Tulane can't afford to run the ball two out of three times. I, and I don't think that they got to throw it. They have to throw it. And K-State, I mean, Tulane got punished in the passing game last year. They were they were just punished up and down the schedule with teams throwing the football. And they were a little bit better of stopping the run, but they're about to face a team, both K-State offensive and defensively, not even close to what they've seen so far this season. It is a whole, I mean, completely another level of competition. And I know with with Willie Fritz and this team that they're going to really get to know what they do have this season. I just I have a tough time thinking that K State will will overlook them. I mean, the K State's defense is so good that I would love to play another team like this and really try to rack up some numbers. They have twenty tackles for loss already this year, which is way above average from last year. Last year's K State team in thirteen games had ninety. And right now they're on pace for one thirty. I mean, that is completely – that's a huge, huge boost in tackles for loss. I would be really up to play this game. I really would if I was K-State. But the Cats should be able to run the ball. They they really should. They just got to break tackles. That's the deal. They're, they're going to have to break some tackles and get that rhythm going in the passing game. K-State should have success in the passing game against Tulane. They really should. But you got to get in that rhythm. You have to find some rhythm before you play Oklahoma a week from Saturday. It is concerning the lack of passing. It's it's concerning. I, I won't lie. You know, we talked about it off the air a little bit the other day. I I'm a little weirded out, man. The first two games have kind of shaken out in a way that I've never really experienced, I guess, as a K State fan. Just uh yeah, just the way it's shaken out, it's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. And then to see the numbers and then to hear Kellis put it the way that he put it. It is a tiny bit concerning. Uh, not so much against a team like Tulane, who hasn't had, they haven't had a good football player since Matt Forte. So I don't really, you know, I, I don't, I'm not concerned about them. I'm concerned more about the Cats. They yeah. got to find a rhythm. Yeah, to me, the key of the game is K State secondary against the passing game of Tulane. Yes. K State has already been extremely successful against the passing game so far. Yes, they did catch a few breaks on some deep balls against Mizzou. Mizzou actually, actually did land one of their deep balls. We're right now passing defense. K-State's third in the country. Third in the country. They've done a good job. They really have. Uh, Troy, anything you want to add? No, All I right. think you've got it. I'm going to send it to break when we come back. Number one song of the day. It's last of the week, hmm. and it's next. You're in the game on News Radio KMAN with Mitch Fortner, David G., and Troy Coverdale. Life is full of surprises and from nineteen eighty one Rapture by Blondie. Two weeks. At number one. I know Troy's a big fan of this song. Absolutely. Fab Five Freddy. Loves the rap.
Rock band co-founded by Debbie Harry and Chris Stein in New York City. New York City? In a row. Oh, they were a legacy in New York in the 70s. Because they would frequent Max's Kansas City. Hey! Chill out, everybody. It's a nightclub in New York City. And, of course, CBGB. Which Troy CBGB stands for? Oh, boy. I remember, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. That's all right. DG knows what it stands for. Couldn't be. Gonna be. I have no idea. CDGB. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Couldn't be, gonna be, or could have been, or could have, what'd you say? Couldn't be, gonna be. Huh. You know what? That's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Could be. I, you can make something out of it. <laughs> uh, you I have know. no idea what that means, though. Uh, it's country bluegrass blues. Oh, because it was originally yeah. going to be a country bar. And then who like, showed up? It was like television wanted a place to play. and They're like, yeah. All right, all right. Hell with it. Go ahead. What was, Go ahead. Uh, oh, God, what was the owner's name? I am blanking. I used to know this. Hilly Crystal. Hilly Crystal. I knew it was like Billy Crystal, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hilly Crystal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's like, all right, you got to uh, audition. Everybody had to audition if you wanted to play a CBGB. Where did the name Blondie come from? Does anybody know this one? I can tell you. No. Um, so, believe it or not, Debbie Harry is actually a natural redhead. But she, at one point, dyed her hair blonde, mm-hmm. and in the first couple of weeks, she would hear some cat calls, Hey, Blondie! Oh, boy. Jeez. And so, uh, that's how they got the name. <laughs> I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, really. Blondie has sold around 40 million records worldwide. They're still out there. They're still performing. I wanted to go see them in New York City in August, but just didn't work out. Inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006, 11 studio albums, 8 top 40 hits, last of 4 number 1s. You know, Lindsay might think I'm burying her here, but i got to be honest, I brought it up. I was like, you know, I want to go this weekend because there's a pretty sweet band that's performing live on this, like, second floor bar right next to the Hudson River. And I was like, it's Blondie. And she's like, eh. And you're I'm like, like, come on, I gotta see Blondie one time. I think that'd be awesome. I mean, that don't surprise me, man. You, you wouldn't want to go see Blondie? No, that she said, she put the Ixnay <laughs> on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. Uh, this comes from Blondie's fifth studio album called Auto American. Now, in certain Christian theology, the rapture is an event where believers are transported to heaven, while others must endure the beginning of the end of times on earth. Well, the lyrics of this song are a bit apocalyptic, uh, as the man from Mars starts starts destroying the planet with his appetite, and the word rapture is also a play on the rap aspect of the song. This was the very first song to go number one with a rap in it. Sugar Hill Gang, they cracked the top 179 with Rapper's Delight, but until Rapture... Mm. What? Yeah. Represent everything. Yeah. 
and, and you don't, don't stop. stop. Just blast off, sure shot, cause the man from Mars stopped uh, uh. eating cars. There it is. Bars, and now he only eats guitars. Get out! Ooh, man. Bars. Yeah. Bars. <laughs> uh, to finish my sentence, but until Rapture, rap had never been incorporated into a hit pop song. Now, Miss Harry's rap is a bit goofy, and it sounds like that she could be mocking the genre. Matter of fact, some people thought she was, but I mean, many of the rhymes that came out of New York's block party raps were just as silly. Yep. Uh, Debbie Harry and Chris Stein of Blondie, like I mentioned earlier, uh, championed rap and got involved in the community with the block parties. They even, and remember, I brought this up a couple week, weeks ago with Sheik and Niles Roger, their song Good Times. Didn't know it was being sampled in Rapper's Delight until they heard it in a club. Well, who took Niles Roger to that club that night? Debbie Harry. Wow. And, uh... Chris Stein. It's amazing the connections that she has throughout music. Really, it's impressive who she's she knows, who she's friends with. Um, it'd be cool to be able to call her a friend for sure. And Debbie Harry had said many times in in interviews that a lot of rappers, including uh, Mob Deep, Wu Tang Clan, members of those two groups, had told her that the first rap song they had ever heard since the genre wasn't welcome on the radio then was. This right rapture, on. right on by Blondie. Who knew? <laughs> Big inspiration on Mob Deep and Wu Tang Clan. All right, let's take a quick break. Quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with a little uh, "Ask Us Anything" next. All right, I'm gonna actually. Uh, I'm gonna ask the first question. Hey, it's oh. a it's a cheeseburger question. All right, <laughs> but it's it's not what you think. So, I, I this gets asked on Are You Garbage once in a while. When you take a bite of a cheeseburger and you're going to set it back down on your plate, do you flip it over to the top bun or do you set it down on the bottom bun? I'm a top bun. I, fl- I, I flip it onto the it top over. bun. Yeah. Bottom bun? Yeah, I've, I've always been a bottom bun. Set it back perfectly. There's something about the organizational aspect of that, I think. But it, also, like, doesn't it make sense if you're eating a cheeseburger, you should actually eat it upside down? Now we're talking crazy. Like talk. cheese toppings. You're crazy. Facing now. the south, hitting mm. the taste buds right away. No, no. Now you're getting wild. This is wild business. But I'm, as long as the hamburger isn't touching other food, I guess I don't really care how I set it back down. <laughs> but if I set it down like in the baked beans, I'm messing up big time. That's just too much. Oh I'm getting God. to the last couple of bites. I'm starting to slide it into the bean. Oh, yeah. What's oh, left yeah. of the juices. When you have the like handful of hamburger, it all, yeah. all bets are off. All right, Deej, go ahead. Um, today, Google Day, a national Google Day. What do you find yourself always Googling? For duck, me, it's like duck, measurement duck, math. Duck, duck, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one where they don't track what you, you're Yeah, you're one of those about. where they don't track you, yes. Oh, okay. Because Google's always collecting <laughs> That's all a little shady. <laughs> what have you been looking up on that work computer, Troy? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. So mine is, so Lindsay and I, when we're watching a show or like a movie and an actor comes up, you're like, what else was that person in? So we're always Googling like the cast of a movie or a show, and we look through the cast, we pick that character, and we start looking up what else mm-hmm. that person was in. They have... Google has like kind of taken over IMDb's st- like they know as much really as they good. know. It's good. Like yeah. they know what they know. Um who's the most famous person from your hometown? Are you gonna, we didn't get a chance to ask you this. Well, 
I mean, not to brag. Mitch the Ford Fortner. But I I don't know anybody else famous from Morganville that has, at the most, 180 people living in it. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to guarantee there was a former Major League Baseball player from, like, the 1910s. Yeah. Johnny, you know, what? what is, what's the... Johnny Chair. Johnny Chair. I get to correct myself from the other day, though, because okay. uh, I mentioned Tinker. Yeah. And I was, uh, I'm sorry, Frank Chance. Ever, Tinker to Evers to Chance. Frank Chance was Muscoda. But I get that confused with the Barnes brothers who were from Circleville. The Barnes okay. brothers? Mm-hmm. Born and, and raised there and had essentially about five or six years in majors. Hmm. So, but if I were to go with the Clay Center answer... Around here, yeah, it might oh, yeah. be Nicole Oldie, yeah. but it's actually it, it probably isn't her. It actually is Steve Ducey from Fox News. Oh, really? That's he's from Clay Center. He is. Oh, cool. What? What are you counting me down Just here? Just a two minute. Oh, two two minute warning. Um, we got like that old joke about um the guy the Shohei Otani being uh-huh. tungsten arm. I guarantee it's some guy Johnny Tungsten Arm Chair from <laughs> Morganville. He played for the he played for the. Uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Steel Boys from 1910 to 1912, guaranteed. Pitched uh, four innings for the Chicago Black Sox. <laughs> yeah, he threw the game. Um, what's your most expensive hobby, you would say? Oh, wait. Hmm. Today, we're doing the National uh, Hall of Fame, Toy Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. Did you we're have changing, a toy that you, trading... you loved, like, above everything else? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My uh, wrestling action figures. Wrestling action Absolutely. figures for me? And the, the beat-em-up doll that I had. You know, the, the little Yes, I, I had a Macho Man Randy Savage, one of those dolls that you could body slam and stuff. Yeah. And I always take him out to the trampoline and... Uh, Kill him. Deliver a couple of Canadian destroyers and a couple of uh, Japanese corkscrews. Damn. One minute warning. Pinball machine that uh, was an electronic pinball yeah, tabletop. Yeah, the little one. And uh, Pac-Man oh, that I yeah. had a tabletop version of that. Wow. Damn. That Dad really? got so annoyed. They bought us the tabletop. They bought me the tabletop Pac-Man one year for Christmas. Little brother got the Donkey Kong one. We took one trip before Dad figured out how to wire headphone adapters into those things. He said, all right, <laughs> listen, this is one of the worst blunders I've ever had as oh, a father. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got God. sick of it. <laughs> all right. I suppose we better bounce. Hey, don't go anywhere because coming up next, I mean, here in just a couple of seconds, Chiefs taking over with uh, Thursday Night Football taking on the L.A. Chargers. K-State Soccer is playing tonight. 7 o'clock, Boozer Family Park against Colorado State. For Troy, Deej, I'm Mitch. We're out. Go Cats. AM, 93.3 FM, and 93.7 FM. Whichever you listen to, you're listening to News Radio KMAN, Manhattan.